At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. As we kick off the new year, we invite you to tune into our current series, The Forgotten Virtue, Learning to Love Again, where we'll discover how God defines love, Christ personifies love, and the Spirit empowers us to love one another. Together, we'll experience healing and hope in the I'm love God designed for us. A love and I'm probably excited about this morning because, guys, I'm excited about pretty much every morning, like I am. I, I'm like the optimist type. I always approach the day thinking it's going to be a pretty awesome day. Like, it just is. That's how Some of you are not that. Some of you, you wake up and you're like, oh, great. Tomorrow, you're going to go, it's Monday. Mondays are never good. It's going to be bad. It's going to be cold. I'm in Michigan. I can pretty much count. It's going to be cold. It's great. Probably, probably what's going to happen is people are going to be grumpy because they stayed up late watching a game. Wasn't even a very good game. I hate football. I don't even know why I watch it. It's so dumb. The commercials, you know, and you just, you're grumpy pants, right? And you just, you're not, look, I'm, I'm the eternal optimist. I'm telling you, I'm the guy who says, you know what? The sun's staying up longer, isn't it? It's staying up longer because spring is coming and that sun's going to stay up later and this is good and the flowers are going to come and the sun was shining between services. I didn't get to go see it, but I could look through the window and be like, I know the sun's out there. I'm in Michigan and the snow's out there and the sun's out there. This is a good day, right? And so I get so fired up and I find reasons to laugh. I've got, so I got a poodle, but he's, and, and I know I've talked about my poodle before. Did I show you pictures? I, I don't have pictures with me, so you don't have to worry about that. But anyway, so he's not like a little, like a wimpy. He's a man poodle. You know, he's like 65 pounds worth of poodle. And, and he, he's, he's manly and he's tough. And he'll come in. Okay, when he comes in with this ball or his rope, he doesn't look near as tough because poodles prance. And so when he does this little high foot thing, he doesn't look near as manly and tough. But he makes me laugh, right? Because he will come in with this ball and it just cracks me. He'll play nonstop. He'll just go, go, go. But I find reasons to laugh. I find reasons to smile because I know the season is continually in change. I know that the flowers are going to come. I know the sun is going to shine. It doesn't matter what's going on with our world. I find that sunset that causes me to pause and to say, oh my goodness, Lord, you are so creative and good. And I think it's pretty incredible. I just hear this little one over here that um, even in the midst of the trials, even in the midst of a world that seems so chaotic, when that mama's pregnant, it doesn't matter whether you think you're ready or not, the baby's going to come, right? That is what's going to happen. I think there's always this reminder of the beauty and the preciousness of life. Have you ever been around that newborn baby? Like the soft cheeks, the teeny tiny little fingers, and it just causes you to pause and a smile, right? That teeny baby makes everything stop. Now, you've been around the baby. Have you ever been in that new life there? Have you ever been around the person who places their faith in Jesus? They go from darkness to light. They experience new life in that moment. I'm telling you, it's the absolute best. New life is so incredible. And I think that's what we're going to see in the text today. Take your Bibles. Open up to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, this is the very last week of our sermon series. If you are joining us for the first time, we've spent about six weeks in the book of 1 John, and we are going to finish it up today. 1 John is written by the apostle of love. It's written by John. Now, John does not see humanity the way our culture does. Our culture tends to say, well, there's people who do good things, 
and people who do bad things. Well, John would argue against that. John would say, no, everybody is in darkness. Everybody is in darkness. But through faith in Christ, you can experience new life. And you can become a child of God. And in that part, you become part of God's family. You're in darkness, but through faith in Christ, you can know what it means to be part of the family of God. And that brings us to our big idea today. The big idea is that the new birth makes you a child of God. The new birth makes you a child of God. So last week I asked a question. I said, how do you know? How do you, when you watch that football game tonight and Tom Brady runs out on the field and, and you've got Mahomes running out on the how do you know which one's a Christian and which one's not a Christian? When you go see the Tigers play this summer and you're sitting there eating your hot dog and your Cracker Jacks, how do you know which player's a Christian and which one's not? How do your neighbors know if you are or if you're not? How does your family know whether you're a Christian? How do they know? Well, here's what John would say. John would say that newborn baby, you know that a newborn baby is alive because she cries, because she eats, because she needs change, because at 2 a.m. she's going to tell you that she's alive, whether you want to know at 2 a.m. or not, right? She's going to tell you. The same is true with a Christian, that the new life that we have in Christ, there's going to be evidence in our life that we are alive in Christ. In fact, today we're going to see uh, through these three points evidence of that. Number one, if you've been born of God, you believe in Jesus. If you've been born of God, you believe in Jesus. So let's look at chapter 5, 1 John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. And John writes this. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So throughout history, there's been a lot of people who are deeply religious. In fact, I would say today what you see is a push that's very counter to what we've ever really seen quite like this. And it's a culture that says, yeah, you need to grab on to nature or to the scientific method. And we would say nature's great. The scientific method is great, yet more and more and more, I'm telling you, I see evidence that says people are clinging to, there has to be more than meets the eye. It is not just life and then death and then the end. There's something after that. More and more people are clinging to that truth that there is something more. Now in the first century in the Roman world, and I'm just going to tell you this, because when John wrote this letter, he's writing the letter to send to churches all over Asia Minor, What's Turkey today? He's sending these letters all over modern-day Turkey, and this is a very Roman context. Now, the Roman world, the Roman world had this belief, had this thought that there's many gods. We have all of these gods that we believe in, that we, that we talk about, all of these gods, and along comes Christianity that says there's one true God, right? Following the ways of Judaism, there's one true God, and the only way to a right standing with God is through faith in Jesus. Oh my goodness. When they said that to the people who heard this for the first time, they became so angry, so upset because this news was either, was either idiotic, it was either idiotic or it was just insulting. Idiotic, like if you believe there's one way to God and that's through Jesus, well, you must be dumb. Like, how can you possibly believe that? Or it would have been really insulting 
It's kind of like today, right? So you're going to tell me that I can't get to God however I want to get to God, that there's one way to God. And it would make them mad. That sounds so exclusive. And friends, I'm going to tell you, it's not exclusive. It's the most inclusive message the world has ever heard. Because all, every single person on this planet can have a right standing with God because of faith in Jesus. All of us can be made right with God at the cross. Every single one of us. I mean, this is so inclusive of of everybody. And so there's this group. There's this group and they're exploring what they think about faith a little bit and their arms are crossed and they're going, we want to know the truth about Jesus. Did Jesus really come as God in flesh? Is that really what Jesus is about? Do we really have to live a certain way? Like you're going to tell me like certain behaviors are sin, like it's not okay. Really, I'm trying to figure out what I think about that. Was Jesus really the son of God? Like I'm trying to figure all of that out. And so that's why John writes this letter. He writes his letter to doctrinally clean up some of the conversations that were being had and explain what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And he says, so here's how you know that you've been born of God. You know because you believe in Jesus. Which means, if you say that Jesus is not the Christ, then you're not a child of God. That that's not you. You're not part of that conversation. You're a person who's outside of the faith. Sometimes, sometimes I think we look at the first century and we think, well, you know, the first century, it would have been so much easier to believe in the first century, but I'm going to tell you, it wouldn't have been easier. It wouldn't have been easier because we think it'd be easier to take, if you already believe in lots of gods, to add one more to it, well, then that would be a real easy transition to make. But that's not really what happened, is it? You see, the Greek mindset said there's, there's the logos, and the logos was the word, and they believed that the word was the way that the whole world was ordered, and Christianity says in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, that Jesus came as God and took on flesh and dwelt among us, that the Logos literally became part of humanity, that Jesus, Logos, that he hung out with people, and he ate fish, and he went to parties, and he told stories. He did that, and then he died on the cross, a criminal's death. He paid for the sins of the whole entire world on the cross. And it's through faith in Christ that we're made right with God. That's what was taught. And that's what they were struggling with. First John chapter four, verse two says, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. The reason John said that there were teachers who were saying, yeah, God couldn't possibly come in the flesh. God couldn't come as man. And the reason they would say that God couldn't do that is this world is just a pile of grossness. The world is just a mess. The world is innately at its core evil. So God would never do that. Well, church, we know that's not true, don't we? Because in Genesis chapter 1, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said that it was what? He said that it was, he said it was good. He said it is very good. 
but that's where sin enters the picture and starts to saturate everything. See, John's wanting to teach this because in the first century, I know, so different than today, but in the first century, what they did is they said, well, because the world's so evil, I got two choices. Because the world is so evil, I'm going to embrace what we would call hedonism. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Eat, drink, and be merry. Just have a good time, right? Whatever makes me happy. I heard people today say, well, doesn't God just want me happy? I just do what I want to do because God wants me happy. So I'm going to do what I want, when I want, with who I want, and how I want. And, and that's what the hedonism. Hedonism basically says, I'm the God of my story. It's all about me. I'm the center of the universe. Or the opposite would happen in the first century. The opposite would be, Okay, because the world is so gross and so evil, I'm going to punish physically myself. If you've wondered where that came from, it's back in the first century. I'm going to physically punish myself because I know there's brokenness here and I want this right standing with God. So maybe if I can just do that, then God will accept me and love me. And John says, no, you're missing the whole point. God came with a plan to redeem all of creation. And it was through his son, Jesus, that he bought back all of us from the entrapment of sin. 1 Corinthians 15 says, O death, where is thy sting? That's what Jesus faced. He went to the cross. He suffered, died for us. He paid the penalty of sin on the cross so that we could be part of the family. That should blow us away. That should cause you to wake up in the morning and say, O my goodness, I get to be part of God's family because of faith in Christ. Like, I get to be part of something so much bigger than me. Which brings us to our second point. If you've been born of God, you love God's children. If you've been born of God, you love God's children. Look at verse 1 again. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So what, what John's saying here is, if you love God, if you say you love God, then you have to love the church. You have to love his people. If, if you love God, if you love the Father, you, you've got to love the church. See, I got two boys, Ian and Gabe. So imagine Ian comes up to me and he says, Dad, I love you. Like, you, you're so patient with me. You know, you're so smart. You're so good looking, Dad. You just... Maybe one day when I grow up, maybe, you know, and something like that. And, and, and imagine that he says, I, I just, Dad, I, I really, I respect you and I love you. But I hate Gabe. I hate his guts. I hate his face. I hate him. We shouldn't let him come to family dinner anymore because I hate him. Okay, that doesn't work, does it? As a dad, I'm going to look and I'm going to go, hmm, that, that, that uh, just doesn't work in our family. That's not going to happen. Now, here's the reality. I say that jokingly and I say that plain, but some of you know what it feels like to have that in your family. You know what it feels like for relatives to not only say I have a disagreement with something, but for it to go so strong that we don't even talk to each other. I'm not going to talk to you because I hate you. I'm not even going to talk to you because you hurt me. I'm not even going to talk to you because you think something different than I think. Some of you know that reality and it hurts you deeply. And you are sitting there going, this isn't right. This is not the way it's supposed to be. So do you see what John says in chapter 4, verse 20? Anyone who says that they love the father and they hate the brother, they're a liar. I mean, do you see? Because we can even see in our own families how broken that would be. 
how messed up that would be. And John's saying, see, you can't say you love God and then hate a brother or sister. You can't do that. You've got to love the family. And then he continues on to press in more. Look at verse number two. He says, by this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. You hear me say that all the time. Like we should love the Lord our God so much, we actually do what his Bible tells us to do. Like when it talks about grace and when it talks about forgiveness and when it talks about generosity and when it talks about service, that's not a suggestion. That's really the way we're supposed to live. That's the calling that we have. Verse three, he presses more. He says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments, I'll talk about gut punch. His commandments are not burdensome. They're, they're not a burden on us. They're not a chore. Here, here's what I mean. When I was over on the west side of the state, pastoring over there, I would teach at a local university and I would teach just adjunct, pick up some classes and teach a communications course. And when I would teach that course, I always had one of two groups. One group would be the group, because I would give assignments like you're going to have to talk for three minutes, or you're going to have to work collaboratively, or you're going to, these different things, you're going to have to write a paper. And so one group would be the group that would grumble. They would grump about it. Well, I can't believe you're going to make me write not in first person. This is ridiculous. When am I, I'm never in my job going to have to talk for three minutes. I ain't going to have to do that. This is just dumb. I can't believe he's a, I should just be able to get my degree. All I care about, if I get B, I'm going to get a degree. So I just want to be in the class. I don't even care. I'm not doing all that. That's one group. The other group is a group that says, I'm going to roll up my sleeves. I'm going to go to work. Right, let's do this. Let's work together. Let's make it happen. Let's embrace this. And, and you've seen the same thing in your environment. Right, Whether it's your work environment, whether it's you at school watching people around you, or whether it's you with kids, like when you ask someone to make the bed, right, or mow the lawn. Okay, so here's a mow the lawn, right, which for my lawn is like 10 minutes worth of mowing. Like it's like two swipes and you're done. But so this is not my family. My family's always like, yeah, I'll mow the lawn. But you may have a much bigger lawn where when you say, will you mow the lawn, you're going to get, oh, Mow the lawn, but I was doing something, I'm watching YouTube, you know, I had important stuff going, mow the lawn. And okay, that's what I mean. The difference of his ways are not burdensome, they're not a chore, they're not pressing down on us. And we do the same thing, church. But here's what we do God, I got this stuff that I'm wanting. And you're telling me to be generous? That's an obstacle to the fun I want to have. You're telling me to have a, a heart that serves? You're telling me to forgive? But I want to hang on to that hurt because they hurt me. So I'm, gonna hang, I'm not forgiving, Lord. I'm going to hang on to that. I'm going to grip my teeth. And you're trying to keep me from the real fun I want to have, Lord. So I'm going to hang on to that. And we view his commandments then as a burden. And John says that's not the calling we have. And point number three is the reason why it says if you've been born of God, you've overcome the world. Look at this, verse four. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. It's our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So John goes back to this whole concept of new birth which is amazing and should take our breath away. And he says that everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. But look at the connection between verse three and verse four, right? Verse three 
ended with, for this is the love of God that we keep his commands and his commandments are not burdensome. And then verse four has that word for, which means since, or it means because. And so it should read, because everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Isn't that cool? And maybe you're thinking, but why do we need to overcome the world? Why, why do I need to do that? Because God created it, church, and it was good. And it was very good. And now sin has saturated the world. And the problem comes when we start to look at the whole world and we say, we want that. We want the sins of our appetite, the sins of the flesh. I want what I can see and what I can grab and what I can. I want all of that. And I'll just put Jesus in there too. Almost like I just want to put on a Christian mask for a little bit and pretend like I'm Christian. You know, and then I just want to do whatever I want the rest of You've seen it, haven't you? Station number four is going to be my Christian station. Just in case my Christian friend gets in the car, I can be like, Jesus, bam, there you go. (laughs) Right? That's what we do. We want to try to live with all in the middle. Because we live like following his commandments are a burden. Not like we've overcome the world. I think the best way to understand it would be food. So I was thinking, because Super Bowl, right? Got Super Bowl. So many of you, you're going to go home tonight, and there's going to be things that you consume, and you're going to be like, okay, this food isn't part of my normal diet. It's Super Bowl. Like, it's a special thing, right? But imagine that there's the person who it's not a Super Bowl thing. It's everyday thing. Bacon cheeseburger, right? Kind of thing. Tater tots. I love me some tater tots. I love me some onion rings. I like fried fish. I like fried hush puppy. If it's fried, I like it. I want it soaking out my pores. That's what I want. I like it fried biscuits and gravy, mm, boy, you know, and it's, that's what they've got going on. Then they go to the doctor, and when they go to the doctor, the doctor's going to draw the blood work, and the doctor's going to say, you're going to die. Like, you are going to die of a heart attack. You got to cut it out, burger boy. You know, you eating the chicken wings, chicken wings, hot dog, and bologna. That's what you're doing, and you got to cut it out. You gotta stop, so you're gonna shift now to salads and some lean meats and smaller portions, and you have to do this or it's gonna kill you. And basically what they're saying is you have a choice. You can choose health or you can choose destruction. I think what we do so oftentimes is we wanna chase the world instead of God. I think what we want to do is act like I can have the world and God both, and, and you can't have both. You have to pick. You absolutely have to, have to pick. It's what John says in 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all this in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but from the world. Don't miss this. This is John saying, hey, His commandments, they're not a burden. They're not a chore. It leads to life. It leads to freedom. It doesn't lean to the sins and the chains of slavery. That's not where it leans. And I I think what we try to do again is to say, I want all the stuff that life has to offer. I want to chase it. I I want that hedonistic life. But then I just want to sprinkle some Jesus on top. Church, you can't do that. That is no different than the first century saying, I want to take all these gods and just add Jesus to the middle of it. Jesus has this declaration that we're supposed to make him Lord of our lives. We are supposed to die to ourselves to follow Christ. What we see is we see John tell us if we confess 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I think this morning, there's really just two groups in this room, right? We have one group. You're my brothers and sisters in Christ. You're Christians. You surrender to the Lordship of Jesus. Now, maybe this morning, if you look in the mirror, you would say, I'm actually doing really good right now. I, I am. This has been, this COVID season for me spiritually has been really good. It's forced me to realign my ways with the Lord's. And I'm in a great spot today, Pastor. Like I am celebrating the redemption that I have in Christ Jesus. Like I'm really in a good spot. I love that. I'm so thankful for that. Some of you, brothers and sisters, you would, you would say, this has been a tough season for me. I got a little bit, di- bit distracted I've started to fall into some old patterns and do something. I don't even know where it's come from. Like, I don't even know what that is. Can I just tell you, I think Brad said it well. We, we don't know that we get tomorrow. I don't know that driving home that I get to make out. We don't know. We don't know how many days we have, but we know we have this moment, don't we? Church, today's a gift. This moment is such a gift and this is where we get to just stop and thank God for his grace and his mercy in our lives, for giving us right here, right now. And just say, Lord, I'm just realigning my life with yours. I don't find joy in your word. It's not a burden to me. I want to find joy in, in, in following your ways, in loving you, in loving my church family. I need to re-engage in that process. I got kind of lax and kind of lazy in it. I, I, I need to really start to focus a little bit more. And the other group would be those that you've never surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus. And if I asked you, let's say tomorrow, there were no more tomorrows for you. If I just asked you, hey, are you going to spend eternity with Jesus? Some of you would just say, I, I don't know. And so then if I asked you, how, how do you think you go about having a right standing with God? Maybe you would say, I guess I haven't murdered anyone, you know, so I, I haven't been that bad. I've, I've tried to be good. Maybe you'd say I prayed some. I, I went to church before. You know, I, I, I was nice to people I, I didn't know. You know, you're going, to, you're going to tell me all these behavior things. But I want you to hear the gospel this morning. The gospel is that God loves you. He loves you. You and I have a problem, though. Remember when I talked about that family relationship where something goes wrong and people don't talk anymore? You and I, we've sinned. Sin means we've lived lives that are not perfectly holy. That's what it means. We've missed the mark. That sin causes a separation between us and a holy God. That's why so much of your life is spent trying to be good enough to get back to having a relationship with God, to try to know enough, to try to talk enough, to try to pray enough, to try to, you can't. You can't pray enough. You can't go to church enough. That doesn't give you the right standing with God. That's why Jesus came. He lived a perfect and a sinless life. He lived, he was crucified to pay for that sin price on the cross. They placed him in a tomb and on the third day, he rose from the grave, conquered sin and death. Over the next 40 days, he appeared to no less than 500 eyewitnesses. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you're saved, you're rescued, you experience a new life. If you've never done that, I want you to have the opportunity today just to say, 
I, I surrender, Lord. I don't want to try to live this life doing my best to figure it out. I want to live my life with faith in Christ. Church, let's pray. Lord, I do thank you so much just for life, for this opportunity right here, right now to worship you and to praise you. Lord, for the honor of being able to walk alongside these brothers and sisters and celebrate the work that you're doing in this place, that you're doing throughout our community, throughout our workplaces, throughout our families. I do pray for those brothers and sisters right now that, Lord, they, they've gotten distracted a little bit. They've gotten off track. Will you just gently move us back in the right direction? Or maybe with a firm hand, if that's what it's going to take. Lord, our hearts want to be open and receptive. We don't want following your commands, following your ways to be a burden or a chore. Lord, we want to find joy in what it means to be your kids. And for those that maybe they don't know what it means to be your kid, they, they've never surrendered to the Lordship of Christ, I just pray for the freedom right now for them to have that conversation with you. That they understand that it's not checking a box, it's not raising a hand, it's through faith. As John said, it's through faith. So, Lord, through faith today, let them have that place right now to be able to say, God, I believe. I believe you love me. And that Jesus came and lived and died and lived again to rescue me and to save me. Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life. Thank you for being my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Church, thank you just for continuing to be patient with me as well, continuing to press on and lean into the teachings of Christ and to live this out in our lives. Let's stand as we close our morning in worship. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself today.